welcome to another edition of Flea Market Fantasy, the world's second greatest Bronze Age era comic book podcast. Joining me as always is new Mike L, Kevin Jank. Hang on, Mike Dell. I gotta finish painting the nipples on these toys I've been making. <laughs> that's not, that's <laughs> not what this guy was doing. He was, what was he painting? No, we'll get into that in a minute. But, uh, hey, hey, Kevin Jank, we have a very special guest for this episode. It's our old buddy, author and raconteur, Miles Watson. Miles! Hello, chimp person. <laughs> yes, <laughs> chimp person, that's me. Uh, now, Miles, we should apologize at the start of the show because, uh, usually when we, uh, have you on and have guests on, we like to have them pick the book, you know, but man, it's a lot of scheduling and planning that go into that. And, uh, <laughs> I'm not the best at that sort of thing. You know, it's pretty hard. Got a lot of naps to take in the meantime. So, yes. uh, yeah, scheduling falls by the wayside. I actually thought you were going to say, uh, before we get started, I just want to apologize for our guest. No, 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 no. <laughs> I feel bad because, uh, what was the last time? I don't know. It's been a while since you picked a book, I think, you know, because um, I think last time you're on, I, I checked the uh, order Logan, there in the episode. Logan's Run. It was like four months ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Time well, that definitely gives me. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely do. I have. I actually had two choices in mind when I was looking at the giant trove of comics, which uh, I normally select my entries on this series from. And I couldn't find either one during the brief time I searched. Uh, so I will, I will rededicate myself to the task yeah. of, uh, picking out some ones and I'll float them by you because they're, they're, they're pretty good. I just couldn't, there's so many hundreds of comics in the, in the vault that, uh, yeah, locating things is not easy. I remember you mentioned one, uh, <laughs> earlier, or this was a long time ago, uh, Hulk and the Thing fight in like Burbank or something. And you used to like, didn't you live near the place where they were fighting or something? Yeah, yeah, the it's a it's a Hulk and the uh the thing getting a brawl at a movie studio. I believe it's oh, Warner yeah, yeah. Brothers. They're like filming something and the Hulk trashes it and the thing and they they have a scrap and uh I remember when I reread it, it I was kind of getting a kick out of it because at the time I lived in Burbank right down the road from where the fight hypothetically took place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were <laughs> they were destroying one of the studios I think at Warner Brothers and I was kind of getting a kick out of that. Well, I'm sure if you go there today, there's a monument for the fight that the Hulk had with the thing, you know? That's, it's commemorated. It's some of the monuments they have in Burbank. <laughs> but, alright, so we'll, we'll get, you'll get to pick a book at some point, but, uh, Jank picked this book. So, Jank, tell the kids what we're reading here today. Yeah, I guess it's fitting that Miles is here, considering they have that Drax backup story in that last book that we did, the Logan's Run oh, book. Oh, I forgot about so, that. So, uh, yeah. So we're gonna be keeping the Guardians of the Galaxy theme going. By looking at Rocket Raccoon, number one, the first of a four-issue limited series from 1985. Yeah, and last week, Jake, I was adamant that I had never, I never knew this existed or anything. But then, mm-hmm. the more I looked at it, like the image of Rocket Raccoon, he wears these big green gloves. I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen this before. Now this is starting to, you know, yeah, starting to remember this back. image. But I, I still never read this series or anything. I really knew this series existed. But I do re- recall seeing Rocket Raccoon with the green gloves and the gun and everything. So, so that's interesting. But uh, Miles, are you a fan of Rocket Raccoon in the Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, when I saw the film, I did think the character was entertaining in terms of like that rant he goes on where he like talking about how he was a normal raccoon and then one day he was like operated on. And- <laughs> It was actually kind of a gruesome speech that he gives where he's like, 
he he's a freak and there's no one like him in the whole galaxy and he hates himself and I was like wow this movie is taking a turn for the dark <laughs> it's like the it took a page right out of my uh, autobiography reading yeah. this, uh, <laughs> this biography of Mike Dell he woke <laughs> up he didn't know where he was I don't was I don't feel like I'm the only one like myself in this whole fucking place <laughs> but all right yeah um but yeah Rocker Raccoon Bradley Cooper does the voice right yeah. Well, but the best gig in Guardians is uh, Vin Diesel doing uh, Groot, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck? Why, why yeah. even waste money paying Vin Diesel to do that? Just get some guy because off that the was, That was literally <laughs> the uh, the one role. That was the role he was born to play. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Did he actually bring him in to record new I Am Groots each time at this point, or are they just recycling and still have to pay him? <laughs> I don't know, but it's a good gig. Um <laughs> Yeah, the reason Jack picked it uh, for this week is, of course, uh, the new Guardians will be coming out maybe by the time this show airs. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I believe as as we're recording, it is being shown in theaters right now. Yeah, see, this <laughs> is a, my whole fake radio history of uh, all the many, many years I've done fake radio. It's always been live, you know. We just record it and then put it out, and who cares? But this Mike Gale character, when he started this show, he's like, no, we got to plan ahead. we got to re- pre-record. And so everything gets confusing, you know. But Mike Gale's not even here anymore. We should just record it live and fucking get it out there. Whatever, <laughs> you know? But uh, anyway. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the new movie's coming out. Miles, will you uh, watch the new movie? I only saw the first one. I never saw the second one. So really, I I, I was not. I, I, I it held my interest the first one. You know, when I watched it, but it didn't like. I didn't connect with it the way a lot of fans did. Like a lot of people who who saw the film really loved it, and they were like super hyped and excited, and they thought it was like this great movie. And I would have been happy to feel that way about it, but I was just kind of like I saw it. I kind of forgot about it. Like it didn't. It didn't really do. It didn't resonate with me personally. Um, I kind of wish it had, but I really liked the first one. Um, I I think it was also part of the thing was when it was announced that they're making Guardians movie, people thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. I know that's what I thought. I'm like, this is going to be fucking awful. Yeah. And then you get in there and it's like completely different than any other Marvel movie with the music and the comedy. And it's like, oh, well, this is completely unique. Even the trailers made that pretty clear. So it was like people were actually getting hyped before it even came out because the trailer was great. Like, this is like, oh, this looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, so I really enjoyed the first one. The second one was pretty good. I only saw the second one the one time. Um, but uh, I, I, I think I saw it probably like five or six times in theaters. <laughs> in theaters. That's that was of... back when I was going all the time. So, yeah. That's a lot of cases. Yeah, well, five <laughs> or six times in theaters. Uh, so, Miles, I'm guessing when you were a, a lad like myself, you did not read this Rocket Raccoon miniseries? Is this your first? No. I yeah. I might be mistaken, but I don't think I'd ever even heard of Guardians of the Galaxy before the film came out. So oh, okay. I, I I can guarantee we did not have any in, in the of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comics that m- me and my brother bought between us during, like, the 70s and the 80s and everything. I, I guarantee Guardians of the Galaxy was not in that. I, maybe one, you know what I mean? Like maybe one copy somewhere, lying somewhere. But like, I just, that was not, I was not cognizant that that universe, even that sub universe in Marvel even existed. So yeah. Yeah. I, I wasn't really, late. I wasn't familiar with like the newer team in the movies, but I, 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 I kind of knew the old team. Um, and we'll talk about that a little yeah. later as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jake, were you yeah, reading you were obviously uh, not a, you were like a fetus when this came out. 
But uh, in the in the two thousands, were you reading the Guardians books and stuff? Uh, yeah, in the 2000s, kind of after the Annihilation, I did start reading uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So that was a much bigger team. Like, there was a lot of people on that team. Like, it was it was a, probably, like, 12 to 15 people. <laughs> like, it was excessive. That's ridiculous. But, so they kind of scaled it down <laughs> for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> they were wow. like, let's have Bug from the Micronauts. Like, Adam Warlock oh, will that's be right. right here. I remember like, Bug, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just everybody. Miles, how would that be writing a story with twelve characters or whatever? Lord, I mean that's 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 a a task. I mean, I'm not saying it can't be done, but if you ever if you've ever seen the movie The Thing, the one that John Carpenter directed, the kind of all time horror sure. classic, he he uh, explicitly said that there when he when he realized he had that many good actors and they all kind of there are no, there are no like disposable characters in that story. And he said, the first time I had all the actors in a room and I realized I was going to have to shoot like 12 dudes in a room and they all have dialogue and they're all important. He's like, I almost had a nervous breakdown. He's like, I don't even know how to fucking block the scene. Like, how do I even put 12 guys or how many guys in the cast? Like, how do I put this many guys in a room and position them that it looks natural? And he's like, I'm having a fit. I got to start killing these people as soon as possible. (laughs) So, yeah, it would be daunting. Yeah, You got to thin the herd. Uh, but hey, none yeah. of those people in that room were raccoons. So let's get some uh, backstory here on uh, Rocket Raccoon. His first appearance was Marvel Premiere Issue 7, 1976. And he was created by Bill Mantlo and Keith Giffen. Bill Mantlo is the writer of the story we're reading here today. We've talked about him numerous times over the years. And the artist for today's uh, episode is uh, Mike Mignola. We'll get into him later. But uh, Rocket Raccoon was named after the 1968 Beatles song Rocky Raccoon. Oh. Now, I've never heard that song, but from what I know about the Beatles, I can only assume it was, you know, uh, what, what do I always like to say what the Beatles are, Jank? Uh, meandering self-indulgent bullshit. Is that what it was? Is that what I usually <laughs> say about the Beatles? <laughs> yeah, probably. This this sounds like the walrus, you know, I'm the walrus shit, where it's just like they were really on drugs at that point. <laughs> so. Maybe a song about a raccoon then. Uh, Rocky was revealed to be short for Rocket in uh, his next appearance in Incredible Hulk 271, 1982. Now, Jank, you're a Hulk yeah. guy. Did you read, ever read that one? Um, actually, no. I think that was a little bit before I really started getting into the Hulk. So I have not gone back to read that. But, yeah, it sounds like this. it was hard to get to this where Rocket Raccoon is. They kind of mentioned it in this issue. He's in, like, his own universe and shit. But somehow the Hulk just bashed his way into it. Yeah, there's, so, there's like a wall or something surrounding his universe, and the Hulk punched his way through. Yeah. Like that. All right, so uh, <laughs> a four-issue limited series here in 1985. Then he appeared in Quasar 15 in 1990. Fuck Quasar. <laughs> yeah, I don't... <laughs> Go check out Quasar Quanology. Then he, yeah, that was a podcast Mike L. also did, uh, Quasar Quanology, where he did every appearance of Quasar. He, he discussed it. Uh, I don't know about that one. Miles, one appearance of Quasar is enough for me. <laughs> yeah, Miles, you know who Quasar <laughs> is. Life. No, and and this is starting to feel like one of those conversations you have with your aunt Sally, where she's like, "You remember Joe Brazen and Beyonce and 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 you're like, "I have no idea who the fuck any of these people are," and I wish you'd shut the fuck up. All right, well, we'll keep it moving. Uh, then he did three issues of Sensational She-Hulk. Uh, issues 44 to 46 in 1992, and that's it. So uh, in terms of uh, that era of Rocket Raccoon, so 
he only had 10 appearances in his first 30 years of existence. <laughs> it's pretty terrible batting average. Yeah, how about terrible. That? Uh, then he had a brief appearance in the 2006 book Exiles. Uh, Jack, yeah. would you like to explain right. what Exiles is? Uh, Exiles was a book where uh, they, they, essentially a bunch of different people from different timelines all kind of got dislodged. Like something went wrong in their timeline and they no longer had a place in it. So oh. these beings called the Time Brokers kind of gathered up some of these people and were like, hey, we're going to put you on a team and have you go from reality to reality, like fixing what went wrong and, you know, kind of writing, writing the path again. And uh, maybe if hey. you do that, then we'll let you go home again. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. That kind of sounds – hey, Miles, you remember that old TV show, uh, Voyagers? Voyagers yeah. with uh, John Eric Hexum and that kid? Kind of seems like that. They get around fixing things in time. Like the time – what was that, Sliders? Yeah. Oh, I Voyager never saw and Quantum Leap. There were, there were at least three Quantum TV Leap. shows that had that kind of premise, yeah. He was next seen in 2007's Annihilation Conquest and Annihilation Conquest Star-Lord limited series. Jack? Yeah, this, I think, is where they started making Rocket cool <laughs> for the first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, this issue did not do it. But, yeah, they started giving him more attitude. And I think he, this is where he started palling around with Groot a bunch. So Yeah, because if you've never seen the Guardians movies, uh, Rocket is a smartass. He's kind of like yeah. a, and he's like a tough guy, even though he's a little rat kid. And he can build any weapon imaginable, right? He's a, a marksman and a, a strategist and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, in the book we're reading today, he's none of those things. So <laughs> He's just like a scholar. He just wants to read. He enjoys scholarly <laughs> pursuits. Uh, so in, in 2008, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was released with Rocket as a regular team member. And that series ran for 25 issues. And then from there, you know, that's the rocket everyone knows and loves, right? Yep. I would say that it, that was still kind of early. Then I, I would say after that series, when they kept relaunching Guardians, which they yeah. inevitably always – it was more times. towards the movies. <laughs> yeah. They tried to base a lot a lot of things off of the movie at that point. Yeah, but now Guardians is uh, very popular. Do they have an ongoing series right now? They have to, right? Guardians. Yes. Yeah. I think they, they just keep renumbering it, but yeah. <laughs> Usually goes about twelve issues and they start all over again. Hey, here, here's really some, here's a little note I want to make sure I mention. Uh, in this book, the villains are basically killer clowns from outer space. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yep. Now, Miles, brothers, taking some inspiration there. Have you ever seen that movie, Miles? Killers, clowns yeah. from outer space. In fact, it was one of the very first, along with a, a movie starring an orangutan with Clint Eastwood. Hey, any which way, you, any which way, but yeah. loose. Any which way you can and any which way but loose were pretty much in perpetual play mode when <laughs> I got cable when we were when I was fourteen years old. Yeah, they were on a lot. Yeah. I, if there were any other movies besides that, it was Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Um, yeah, I, I that was one of my first cable movie experiences. Because we watched that uh, for L the LCS radio show uh, a couple years ago. Jake, I can't recall. Did we enjoy it? Uh, partially. <laughs> it is kind of slow, a little bit boring, but the clowns are awesome. Like, they look amazing. <laughs> I do remember being slow and boring. <laughs> All the that, that is what right. I remember. Slow and boring. Yeah. But anyway, that's the human characters were all that good, but, you know, other than that. <laughs> so that, that movie came out in 1988. So Bill Mantlo wrote, you know, this is 85, so they just ripped off Rocket Raccoon for that movie? <laughs> 
Could be. I mean, that's crazy. Never. That's a connection I never you thought would exist. It's like wrap people up in uh, cotton candy cocoons or anything, but <laughs> that is true. But yeah, that's pretty weird when I saw that. All right. Um, yeah. All right. I guess we can get in the book now, and then we'll come back and we'll uh, talk about Magnola uh, afterwards. But uh, all right. So, Jank, why don't you explain? Uh, describe the cover for us. All right. It's a very busy cover. I'll, I'll give it that much. Uh, we got the title up top, Rocket Raccoon. Uh, we got picture of Rocket in the uh, the corner box there, gun in each hand, uh, and his weird little green outfit that <laughs> I just do not like at all. <laughs> yeah, explain. It's kind of like a one-piece bathing suit with a big black belt with a big belt buckle, and then he's got uh, these green, like, gauntlet glove kind of deals. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, a you know, like an Errol Flynn type thing, except, like you said, like a bikini in the bottom almost, <laughs> like... What's going on there? He wants to really show off his hairy legs, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess uh, it's tough to design a costume for raccoons, but yeah, there is. And uh, so, so yeah, we on the get, cover uh, shooting kind of magic hour. Apparently, is when they're filming this because the the sun is going down, the sky yeah. is like pink. <laughs> um, so then we get Rocket, kind of dead center. He's shooting at a clown, uh, one of those killer clowns from outer space. <laughs> Uh, we got all kind of other animals surrounding him. There's one of those chimps that I know you love yeah. uh, that we see later in this issue. <laughs> uh, there's a robot. Uh, there's a black Jack O'Hare who's like a bunny guy. Um, and what looks to be a bunch of other clowns surrounding them. And uh, there's just a big old free-for-all going on. Yeah, we should mention uh, the monkeys are like samurais. But uh, the, you mentioned black Jack O'Hare. This is a few years after Mike, uh, Michael Golden and Larry Hama created Bucky O'Hare. Yeah. So, so clearly yeah. this has to be a nod to Bucky O'Hare, right? Like he's saying, yep. uh, like it's Blackjack or, cause it's like the same thing basically. <laughs> I don't know. Well, his guy's a bad guy though. Yeah. His guy's Drip a bad off. guy. But yeah. Although um, apparently I was doing some, uh, some reading and apparently that Lila, you know, his like, uh, Rocket's girlfriend in this, yeah. she ends up marrying Blackjack O'Hare. What? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that later. <laughs> That seems weird, but all right, we'll get into that later. Uh, Miles, what do you think (laughs) of this cover of Rocket Raccoon issue one? You know, uh, in all honesty, it's I I I was not uh, displeased with the cover. Um, Yeah, good cover. It's bright. I I actually was attracted to the brightness of it. You know, the vivid use of color. Um, The artwork in this is is well, we'll get into that later. But uh, uh, you know, I I did like the cover, um, which. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. surprised me, given that this is a, a comic book about a raccoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did you feel when I said, hey, we're, we're going to read Rocket Raccoon? Were you excited? or did uh, you like... My soul died. <laughs> my body continues to live. But, but, but why, so, I don't know. <laughs> so you're not too excited about that. How do you feel with the whole general concept of talking animals? Uh, I don't have a problem with talking animals. I I I think the the thing that jarred me of when I when I did a little you know because when Guardians of the Galaxy broke so big and I was like wow I was a pretty hardcore comic fan you know into college so I was like how the fuck did I miss all this and I I did a little background you know and and I was like oh this is wow this is actually part of the same universe as all the other characters that I'm familiar with and <laughs> yeah. that kind of broke my brain because <laughs> you know like there's unwritten rules and uh, you know it's like it, as absurd as as most comics are in their in their ideas and you know plots 
Uh, like the idea that Dr. Doom can build all that incredible technology, his fighting suit, you know, blasters, he can fly around, he, he's got the entire country on lock with surveillance systems that are 23rd century, but he can't fix his face. Well, um, <laughs> well uh, Miles, interestingly yeah. enough, we read a Fantastic Four X-Men issue a couple months ago on here, and Dr. Doom healed Storm of the X-Men. She had like third-degree burns over her arm. He healed her skin and her arm, but he couldn't, he, he still can't heal his face? the fuck's going on yeah I, yeah I, I it just doesn't make any sense so i i always felt like there there was that unwritten rule about like you can take things so far but you can't have like batman talking to a you know a talking octopus or you can't have like spider-man <laughs> talking to a dog that can actually talk about like to, talking to garfield <laughs> it just the, I, I thought i was like what the fuck is this but you know sometimes you just got to roll with it so basically what I'm hearing yeah. is you would be excited to read a book about a talking chimp. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, Jake, when we open up the book, the title of this issue, I guess, uh, is Animal Crackers, I think, right? Is that what we're going with, the title of this? Yeah, book? I guess so. Because <laughs> there is a title page later on, but there's no title on that other than Rocket yeah. Raccoon, I guess. So, so, but we see this, like, little uh, iguana. Is that what this guy is? He's uh, yeah, like, a, like it, like a toy manufacturer. He's an old and you see all a bunch of toys. Uh, he's working in his toy shop. And if you look at the bottom of the page at the bottom right, you see a little toy rocket raccoon. Look at that. And then on the left, oh, you yeah. see a little walrus and a little Gumby. Like a Gumby sneaking in there. That's a lawsuit <laughs> waiting to happen. Put Gumby in there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this little iguana is working in his toy shop. And you said he was painting on nipples. It almost looks like he's screwing on uh, a Linus and a Charlie Brown, like because of the way that little doll is. Like yeah, I don't know what's going awesome. on. Yeah. But uh, Jack, explain uh, what what happens here at the beginning of this book. Uh, so he is making some toys. Apparently, toy making is very big in this universe. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, he's apparently he's, yeah he's behind schedule. Because his parts were late or whatever, but now he's he's back on track and he's almost done. So he's like, "All right, this is pretty great. I'm going to be done here any second. But he's putting in this eyeball, and you can see the reflection <laughs> in the eyeball. One of the killer clowns sneaking up behind him, and uh, he's just like, "Is this some kind of joke?" And the clown's like, "Think of it, Toysmith, instead as a thriller that's funny and frightening and a real killer diller." That's just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Little Mantlo, you might want to take another pass at this. <laughs> yeah, but the clown just guns down the iguana, just kills him dead. Yeah, kills yep. him dead. And, and can you can you just consider the sentence that you just uttered? The iguana kills, <laughs> guns down the clown, <laughs> kills him dead. Yeah, that was the one thing about this, Miles. Is uh, it's basically like a a war story. Like uh, Rocket Raccoon is caught between two warring factions. But they're not really vying for the typical things you see in such stories. They're they're fighting over like uh, the toys, the control of toys, you know, and who gets the better yeah. toys or something. Uh, how did you feel about who gets that? To marry an otter. <laughs> she, hey, she's a sexy otter. Don't kid yourself. But uh, how how do you feel about a book based on the toy war, basically? I actually have zero problem with that. I mean, right. if you're if you're gonna you're going to talk about the, the, the problems behind this story. <laughs> I mean, this is like logic problems and shit involved in this. <laughs> really the least of your worries. It was, But it's kind of like underwhelming for me when I was reading it. I was like, I, I guess it's unique and it's quirky. But it's like, oh, they're fighting over 
toys. Right. It's it's what it's what I yeah. would refer to as a low stakes um yeah. conflict. You you generally want your your story, whatever it is, to have high stakes, whether it's an individual being saved, you know, the princess being saved from the fucking dragon or or whether it's a Star and Wars thing where we do get that later on. Galaxy. We do get that later yeah. on. Yeah. But initially that is, in fairness, yeah. yes. Yeah, and there are stakes. It's not like it's it's goofy to us because it's just toys, but apparently without these toys, their whole, you know, universe does fall into chaos and disorder. So I, I as think stupid as it is that they're toys, like it is important in their in this story. And I think Mantlo's clearly trying to make a uh uh an, like he's saying, Hey, this is our world here that without our distractions yeah. and our stupid Commentary toys, religion religion yeah, our world falls apart as well. Um, so enough, I, yeah. I see Fair what enough. he's going here. But I, it was a little weird at first, a little clunky-ish getting, but anyway, whatever. Um, Jake, you mentioned uh, it's also a comment on religion and stuff, because apparently there's, uh, I, I don't know, something called the loonies, like a, yeah. uh, yeah. how would you describe it, as a, not a cult, but a... Uh, uh, kind of like a cult, yeah. Almost They're, like a uh, commune. A I, I think a commune is yeah. what I was thinking of, commune. Yeah, there you go. That's a good word for it. Yeah, but they just all walk around in straitjackets, um, and they're called the loonies, and apparently they're the ones who need these toys, and if they don't get their toys, then they're just going to go completely insane and, you know, the universe falls apart. Yeah, so he's clearly commenting on society here, right? He's like, Yeah. So he's, he's, he's swinging for bigger things, but uh, I don't know. See if he... We'll see if yeah, he they, they were very concerned with the half world Bible, so clearly these these guys are way into their quote unquote religion of this half world Bible. Yeah, is that what this place is called, the half world? Yeah, I believe so. And uh, all right, so the killer clown is uh, escaping the uh, toy manufacturer's place after he murdered the iguana, but you can't sneak past the chimps. There's a bunch of chimps on guard there, and they're yelling chimp chimmery. And uh, <laughs> of they, are. they attack the uh, <laughs> the clown, and the clown uh, just starts shooting monkeys. So right away, I don't like this at all. I will not tolerate <laughs> anti monkey violence. But uh, it also My looks favorite like part of the entire series right here. <laughs> it also looks like the clown is water. on roller skates as well. If you see that, he's on roller skates. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, you, Miles, we do not want un violence against champs. We do not want that at all. Uh, <laughs> not like the line monkey sport. monkey stew? <laughs> no, I do not like it. <laughs> I do not like it whatsoever. But the killer clown, he murders all these monkeys and he, he escapes. And, uh, but Jank, now, hey, the, uh, they send in the big guns now. Um, Black Jack O'Hare. Yeah. And his and army his of bunny rabbits. Brigade. Yeah. <laughs> Filthy rabbits, and they they fuck the clown up. They just murder the clown. Yep. <laughs> so, just to recap, turns out the clown's a dirty robot. <laughs> Filthy ribbit. So we're you like, want to get down with the clown? <laughs> so <Sorry>. we're like, <laughs> someone had to say it. <laughs> so we're like four pages into this book. We've seen a clown murder an iguana, a clown murder some chimps, and then some bunnies murder a clown. I can't believe I'm sober doing this show. <laughs> it's oh. a lot to keep track of. It is a lot to keep track of. 
That's why right. I wanted to pick issue one for this series, because, like, otherwise it would just be, like, jumping into Game of Thrones at the end of season one or something and trying to be like, I don't know who these people are, what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now we cut away from that horrific scene and we get to some idyllic looking paradise, a waterfall, a bunch of trees and whatnot, a little lagoon. And we see uh, Rocket Raccoon and he's smoking a pipe and he's doing yeah. his scholarly research. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, his girlfriend wants to go swimming, but he's just like, nope, I'm busy reading this, trying to read this Bible that I can't even read because it's not in a language I understand. Now, let me ask you this, because, uh, okay, Rocket Raccoon is a, a raccoon, and he's he's dressed. He's wearing clothing here. Now, we see his <laughs> girlfriend. She's an otter, and she is wearing clothing as well. And then yep. she just loses her clothing. And we see her completely in all her otter glory, just standing there. Right. <laughs> this is a little racy, no? I mean, what, what are we doing yeah. here? <laughs> well, uh, the more disturbing thing is when I was trying to look up, you know, whatever happened to Lila in the comics, there was like one of the things that was popping up was like, Lila and Rocket fan fiction. I'm like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Miles, please tell me you've never written a Lila and Rocket fan fiction. Because you're very well, good. not not before today. I haven't, but you know, I'm I'm not going to lie. Inspired. I mean, was, I, I just all I could think of was you know how Twilight got started, and and my my fingers just raced for the typewriter keys. But uh, yeah, I was taken aback when you see the little otter get naked. Technically, you know, hey, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. put a well, bikini on. Like, uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, isn't there like a whole um, porn subset thing about like oh yeah if you're mistaken like you don't like you yeah. don't know yeah okay Miles sure you don't know yeah. well, <laughs> if you can it imagine it I mean, there's right a now. porn category for it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I did find that disturbing that that there's apparently people that actually actively fantasize about being fucked by like velociraptors which <laughs> oh wow. <that's> <laughs> I just don't. Yeah, I, that is a little that strange. That does not yeah. compute. Obviously, if you're going to fuck a dinosaur, you go with the spitter, the Dilophosaurus. <laughs> Jank knows uh, his dinosaurs. Uh, All right, we're, let's get back. Let's get back to the big issue here: the naked otter. And uh, she jumps in the water <laughs> and she starts swimming around. And there's also a walrus here. Now, this walrus is the otter's. Wait, I, I was a little confused. Uncle, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I thought know. It said uncle. That's what I thought. But I don't know was. how that happens. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how a walrus can be the uncle of an otter, but I guess we're just going to go with it. I don't know. But at least the uh, the walrus isn't creepy because like Rocket jumps in and there he's swimming around with his girlfriend. And they're like, "Hey, you want to join us, Uncle?" And he's like, "No, that doesn't sound appropriate." <laughs> you guys are like fooling around in the water there. You probably don't want your uncle joining in. But at least Rocket kept his uh, bathing suit on the whole time, you know? He's a gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got frolicking with his naked girlfriend there. Uh, but the walrus goes over, and he screws in tusks. He has, like, a bunch of tusks he can yeah. screw into his mouth. Uh, that comes into play later. And then Miles, tusks. a bunch of the, the Keystone cops show up. <laughs> yeah, what the hell was their function in this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I guess they're the police force for the loony commune or whatever, and Rocket is kind of like their boss, so they're coming to tell Rocket that there's trouble. That, but that he holds them in utter disdain and contempt. 
<laughs> yeah, I just don't understand. Like Mantlo, come up with something maybe besides the Keystone Cops, like something that's already been right. Repeatedly, um, <laughs> I, I, I was a little yeah. confused there, but uh, I guess it's an easy joke. I guess. Yeah, but why not? Why not make them squirrels or something? Just uh, you know, no, they're, they're just humans. <laughs> Human dudes. Yeah, I didn't Eastern get that Coast. either. I, I didn't get how humans are like some part of this world and not, but yeah, the cops are yeah. are, and the and are like the loonies loonies too. Are, yeah, they're human as well. So I thought yeah. this was going to be a complete monster verse or or you know creature verse, but no. Yeah, so the cops tell a raccoon, "Hey, a toy maker got assassinated, and a clown was responsible." And Rocket's like, "Uh oh, there's trouble brewing." So he puts on his gloves. And he's ready to go, you know, because he he's like the big guy here. He he's like the uh, the Kojak of uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's like the big <laughs> he's the big cop. All right? Yeah. First, we're, we're gonna go out and beat people who don't look like us today. <laughs> oh no 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 no! <laughs> but uh, well, so Rocket he, is very scholarly, so maybe he's the Quincy of this. Oh <laughs> like, yeah, there we go. He's going to investigate Quincy these crimes. Reference. Finally, a cool <laughs> reference to mitigate all these stupid chimp and Alf references. Thank God. But that, <laughs> you, that that book that Rocket was studying there at the lagoon or whatever, it was the Bible, right? So he has to return the Bible to the loony church. Yep. And so he takes it back, and we, we see all the guys in straight jackets. And they do some bizarre ritual where they all tie each other's straight jackets up. But then the guy behind, the last guy in line goes nuts because no one can cut tie his up. And I, it's fucking weird, yeah. man. I don't know what's going on I here. Think you just form a circle. <laughs> yeah. And then they can, you know. <laughs> Jank just solved the Maybe problem, just don't right? do a straight line. Yeah. I should be king of this world. Got all the answers. <laughs> But what if you're like a, a, an eight year old kid who bought this book because you're like, oh, look, a raccoon. And then like you're reading this like, what the fuck is going on in this goddamn book? <laughs> yeah. They're called the good humor men. Yeah, that's right. The good humor, like the ice cream. Uh, the the earth there. Yeah, <laughs> that was a throwback to my to my childhood. Yeah. That was. Uh... Well, my nephews are very little. Uh, I think they had. Uh, I used to get them Incredible Hulk and Spider-Man ice cream bars made by Good Humor. Yeah, those were great. Yeah. The gumball eyes. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's a good time. Uh, but they didn't have a Rocket Raccoon one. But anyway, so Rocket goes in. Who, who's the leader of, because uh, it's like a lizard too, uh, the leader he's talking to, the guy who runs this toy area. Um What's this guy's Lord, name? What's his name? Lord Dine with a lot of Ys? Okay. <laughs> or maybe it's Divine? It's hard to tell with the, the lettering in this issue. Yeah, I was confused <laughs> about the lettering on a few occasions as well. Um, but yeah, so there's this... I don't, what kind of lizard is this guy? What is that exactly? Uh, it's an iguana, right? Or no. Uh, no, it isn't an iguana. It's shit. It, but it is familiar looking, isn't it? What were the kind of lizards yeah. that uh, your cat Spike used to murder, uh, Miles? Oh, uh, he—they were just garden lizards. It didn't look like uh, that, but he—he he also fought skinks. But I don't think it's a skink either. It's too fat and round. Um, yeah, but some sort of lizard. I don't know. But uh, or maybe a frog with teeth. I don't know. I don't know. It makes it weird. But, all right, <laughs> like a snake frog. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, he's like the leader of this. Uh, 
area of the toy war. And he, he's bringing in Rocket to go because he found they found the head of the killer clown. And they're like, look, this means it's the other guy, the other warring faction of this toy war. He's behind this. You need to go over there, Rocket. All he does is make killer clowns. Who else could it be? <laughs> That's so all he does. Quincy for this one. <laughs> it's a mystery worthy of Quincy. <laughs> uh, so, but then uh, this this uh, guy, this uh, skink or uh, garden lizard or whatever the fuck he is, he's also like uh, he's got eyes for Rocket's lady. You know, mm-hmm. he's like that is one sexy otter. And, and Rocket says, hey, touch my lady with your cold-blooded claws, Divine, and I'll tie you in knots. Fuck out. Rocket's a tough guy. You know? <laughs> yeah, he is. When he puts the books down, he can still fuck shit up. Yeah. So, all right, Jake, what what happens now? Um, Let's see. So they fly off. They get to Rocket's ship, the Rack and Ruin. Yeah, now look, it's spelled R-A-K-K here. Right, rack and yep. ruin. I think I think yeah. later on in the issue it's about R A C K. That's an editor thing. You got to look out for that kind of stuff. Inconsistency in Bill Manlo, I don't believe it. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, so they go to their ship, uh, Rocket the Walrus, but they leave his girlfriend behind unattended. That seems like a bad decision. Yeah, that was a problem. <laughs> yep, not even the Walrus is gardener, so yeah, big mistake. Uh, so they fly off and they're gonna go try to find out, you know, what's going on with this other toy maker, who apparently is also Lila's like uh, guardian. Um, I think yeah. it says like, doesn't it say like he killed her parents and yes. then somehow became her guardian? Like, that's her, weird. <laughs> her parents ran the other toy manufacturing place, and he was like their top right hand man. Then they they mm-hmm. died somehow. I can I imagine he probably murdered her parents, right? We'll learn that at some point. Oh, and then yeah, he, I'm sure. And then he became her guardian. But because he's her guardian, doesn't mean he doesn't want to have sex with her. That's not what that means at <laughs> <No>. all. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is after the hot otter ass. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants the the otter, including Mike Dell. I'm, I'm a little <laughs> I'm perturbed by the hey. by the fact that Mike Dell wants the otter as well. I grew up watching <laughs> Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, so I have an affinity for otters. What can I say? <laughs> I'm attracted to the otters. Hey, Lila, I've got a hole in my wash tub. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, uh, so, yeah, he's going over there to uh, this other. It's called Mayhem Mechanics. Judson Jake's proprietor. That's the name of the other uh, toy manufacturer. Um, Mayhem Mechanics. Easier, I guess. Hey, look, they have a little rat with a gun. <laughs> if you look at the next page, <laughs> this little rat looks like a badass. He's got a grenade on his belt and he's standing on a bunch of ribbits. Man. Oh, yeah. He probably oh. kick Rocket's ass. I know. <laughs> be a good fight. <laughs> uh, so while he's going to investigate this, what's his name? Judson. Judson Jakes. Judson Jakes. All right. So that's Layla's uh, guardian. So while Raccoon's going to talk to that fella. Back at the other place. Hey, hey, Miles, look at this lizard now. He looks like he has a scarf like Doctor Who or something. He does have a scarf like Doctor Who, and and it's so much like the scarf from Doctor Who. I can't believe that it's a coincidence. Yeah, Uh, conspiracy theorist that (laughs) I am. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) so this uh, guy that sent Rocket on his mission. Now he pulls over his buddy, uh, Blackjack O'Hare, that uh, bunny, that killer bunny guy, and he's like, "Hey, hey, Blackjack." Now that Rocket's out of the picture here, I think it's time I get to make sweet, sweet love to that otter, you know? So uh, 
Why don't you go kidnap that otter for me? There was a cool detail here I liked where, like, they took the entire panel, like, the last panel, and then put it on the view screen in this yeah. scene here, including, like, the narration boxes and everything. That, like, was, that was cool. The dialogue bubbles. <laughs> like, that was fun. Yeah. It was, it's kind of like when uh, someone on TV is watching themselves on TV. It's like, oh, I can go all yeah. the way in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, Blackjack O'Hara goes to kidnap uh, Layla the Otter. And Layla the Otter is just hanging around, I don't know, with all the loonies. And she sees a turtle. Uh, there's some turtle guy with a sheet pulled over his head. Miles, were you excited that we get a turtle now in this story? I was at this point. I just was like, "Fucking bring it on, man!" When are we? Are we going to have that character, like the shark-headed character, that somehow is like a land shark? Are we going to have? Oh yeah. I mean, or a are shark. there really any rules? I mean, we've got robot clowns. We've got the otter slut. We've got. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, hey! How dare you? <laughs> That's my beloved Layla. How dare you? That filthy abomination of a harlot. (laughs) Yeah, like they're doing a whole lot in this book, man. You may want to just narrow the focus a little bit. Narrow it up. Yeah. uh, You want to add more characters later on, you can, but. There's uh, a lot for one issue. So, uh, Miles, do you remember who this turtle is or what he does? I think he's some sort of a researcher, right? He also enjoys scholarly research. Believe. Yeah, he's he's mm-hmm. like the um, Rupert Giles or the you know the uh, he seems to be like the brain, the scholar. The, I don't know who Rupert Giles is. Should I just pretend I do. Yes. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> As Buffy's watcher, I'm Buffy. Oh, yeah. okay. All right, that makes sense. Because I knew it had to be something yeah. weird because it was a reference well, that Jack clearly got right away, and I did not yeah. get yep. it. So the only thing that really he connects, does all the research. The two arch yeah. enemies of Miles Watson and Kevin Jank is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's the one common right. ground they have. So they have well, I will sense. say this: yeah. um, the Rupert Giles character is based on pretty much every Hammer horror, you know, tweed-clad British guy who knew, you know, who was consulted. So how do we defeat the mummy? Well, according to legend. Oh, okay. So, like, that's right. that's what. Hence my reference. All right, I get it now. Um, but yeah, this. Pushing. But this turtle guy, he wants to, like, steal the Bible, right? Cause yeah, he turns out to be... He's apparently the only one who can it. actually read it. Because, like, this Bible, no one can understand it. Like, there's a code in it or something, and they're all trying to, like, decipher it. Is that what's going on, right? Something like that. Yeah, nobody, like, speaks that language anymore or whatever. So, But he apparently still does. So he's, like, the only one who can actually read it. So he replaces it with, like, a decoy and takes the book. Yeah. And Layla kind of sees, recognizes him, and she goes to uh, track him down because she hates this turtle. I can't remember what was the connection. I read this a while ago. What was the connection with the turtle? Um, oh, I think just because, uh, you know, stealing the, the book will, you know, kind of like not having toys. It'll throw the whole universe into balance or out of balance. You know, yeah, dogs like, and cats living together. I should have loved my beloved Rocket, but there's no time for that. Uh, Pico is the name of the turtle. Pico would be long gone by the time Rocket arrived. So Layla just takes up a gun. She's she's packing heat. Yeah. And she's going after him. But when she's tracking down the turtle, she gets snagged uh, out of the shadows by uh, Blackjack O'Hare. I, I like the sequence of panels here of her uh, walking with the gun. She gets grabbed, and the final panel is just a gun on a solid black background. 
She she's abducted yeah. now, so that's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's so, like the movie Taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, but but now we get the big stakes here because Rocket's got to get his lady love. You know, we got to protect his lady love from uh, that evil guy, the Doctor Who lizard. Um, all yeah, right, all the so, evil guys. So now we come back her. to Rocket's ship with that walrus guy and all the killer clowns are coming after them now. And, uh, there's, Oh, there's a giant nutcracker as well. Yeah. A giant nutcracker. Uh, I guess that's a nutcracker. (laughs) 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 No, it's more like, I don't know, some weird surge surgical tool. So then rocket goes out, out of his ship and he's got little like rocket skates on. And he's flying around with just the shoes. And uh, there's a good panel of him looking uh, all freaked out because now he sees a bunch of killer clowns and, like, uh, zombie bears and lions and shit coming at him. And, uh, yeah, this this Jasper Jakes guy is that or Judson Jakes. He's like a mole. Is that what he is? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I can recognize my animals. Don't fuck with me and animals, Miles Watson. <laughs> <laughs> is it a mole? Is that what he is? I think. Mm. I don't know. It looks like a mole. Yeah, I think so. So the, there's a big a mole, there's like a big fight now, uh, and Rocket Raccoon's like shooting him with his rocket skates as well as his gun. That's a pretty cool little move he's doing there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. how'd you feel about this fight scene, Miles Watson? Uh, he certainly doesn't seem to be overly challenged by the uh, psycho circus. Is that is that the? <laughs> oh, that's... Uh... I forgot. Yeah, the Psycho Circus. And he's fighting a Kiss song. Um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, he 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 fucks them up. The, these clowns and various things are really not that great, you know. Although they are very effective against chimps, they don't <laughs> hey. seem to be. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm just telling it like it is, man. Yeah, I know. I can't really argue. You're you are correct. That's a factual statement. They did fuck up the chimps. But as far as anybody else goes, they seem pretty fucking helpless. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know what else to say on that score. And Rocket's walrus buddy screws in some uh, new tusks, and these are like laser tusks. Yeah. <laughs> well, even before that, that, he had one tusk that was like a, a wrench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty uh, cool. Hey, uh, you know who my favorite walrus is? Chumley from Tennessee Tuxedo. Let's take a moment to remember <laughs> Chumley. He was great. Chumley. Moment <laughs> of silence for Chumley. For Chumley. <laughs> Godspeed, Chumley. <laughs> All right, so the fight way, uh, rages on, and then uh, eventually Rocket talks to uh, Jasper, the little mole there, and uh, until and, and he says, until Lord Divine lies dead, and your lovely Lila becomes my bride, thus making her fortune mine. Man, everyone wants this otter. And uh, yeah. what am I missing? Should I start <laughs> dating otters? Because I will. Yeah. He will. Uh, and then Rocket's I'll like, L- Lila, marry you. You're mad, mole. Yeah, so he is a mole. Yeah, there we go. Confirmation. <laughs> and, and the, and the mole guy, he just says, too true, too true. Yeah, he accepts that he's mad, and he, he's not mad at it at all. He's like, yeah, I am mad. Deal with it. <laughs> uh, but now, Jank, that, that uh, Pico, the turtle guy, shows up. And yeah. What is he's he like, say? I ain't taking your shit anymore. Does he also want to fuck Lila? 
or is this? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think so. I uh, says, I do. I may be in your employ, Jakes, but I hold the patent on the Psycho Circus, and I refuse to stand by and see my toys destroyed when their destruction furthers no logical end. Uh, Jakes, you seek to destroy Lord Divine that you might seize his space wheel because you are merely steward over mayhem mechanics. The only way to own this factory is by marrying the otter Lila. Her parents created mayhem mechanics. Upon Lila's coming of age, ownership resides in her. You know, Jakes, that Lila loves Ranger Rocket and would never consent to such a marriage. Lord Divine should know that as well. And yet, look. Yeah, we see that Lord Divine's got her captured, thanks to Blackjack O'Hare. Yeah, I don't know what his actually plan was there. <laughs> He's the chaos agent, just thrown in the middle. <laughs> yeah, also, Jack, I would have appreciated it if you would have read it in the voice of Turner D. Century. That would have been better. <laughs> uh, Miles, last week on the show, we did a book where there's a villain named Turner D. Century who is from, uh, he wants everyone to live like it's the early 1900s. And uh, Jank had a banner uh, voice for him, and he was doing it. It was great. And uh, <laughs> we need to find more books like that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> with that I'm voice, jealous I didn't come up with that name for myself. Yeah, Turner D. Century, and he his yeah. his goal was he has a bicycle horn. He rides around on a bicycle built for two, and the second seat is occupied by a mannequin lady dressed like a Victorian dress and everything. And his big weapon was a uh, bicycle horn that was going to murder everyone under the age of 65. <laughs> so, Despite the wow. fact that he himself, like, you know, yeah, 40. Yeah, tops, 40 tops. Uh, but, <laughs> did he understand the world he was going to create with that or no? <laughs> yeah, he just wanted to he, – he liked the old people because they could appreciate the old traditional ways. But those young whippersnappers under 65, they stink. So he was going to murder them all. Um but uh, just relax, though, Miles, because Spider-Man and Dominic Fortune saved the day. So don't worry. You're safe. Wow. Eternity century. But uh, anyway, right, get, getting back to Rocket. So Rocket, yeah, they show him on the video screen that uh, Rocket, that Layla's been kidnapped. And Rocket's like, holy shit, uh, I'm pissed now. And uh, Lord Divine's kidnapped Lila, my soulmate. And that really makes my fur fly. And that's how the book ends. <laughs> Yeah, really good shot of Rocket here at the end in this last panel. Really looks good. <laughs> yeah, he looks mean. So, uh, yeah. Miles Watson, how do you feel? Oh, wait, next issue, uh, The Mask of the Red Breath. <laughs> the I red think breath. that was what broke my will to continue <laughs> at that point when I looked down at that. <laughs> and I was like, uh, 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 a deep soul groan admitted from my chest. So, Miles Watson, how do you feel about the writing here by Bill Mantlo? Um, uh, Hey, I, I think I now, now that we mention it, I think uh, Mantlo, for you, Miles, if you remember, we did the Micronauts, right? Weren't you here for the Micronauts? Yeah, that was. I think that was my idea, wasn't it? Yeah. Because I grew up with them. Yeah, and Bill Mantlo wrote that issue, so if you remember that. And I, I thought we kind of enjoyed that book. Uh, so, so I, I did think the Micronauts was pretty good now that I think now that I remember it. Um, I mean, it was a little it's, – it's offbeat, to say the least. And he definitely, like, overflows – he's very – committed to his world building, his creative surround. Like yeah. <laughs> his, his stories seem to overflow with ideas sometimes to the point of like, dude, like yeah, turn, the, turn the tap yeah. off. Like, like it, it's just a fucking comic book. You're not writing Dune. Um, take it down about 15% <laughs> over there, Mantlo, you know, just take it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I appreciate people with overflowing imaginations. I respect that, but like sometimes you got to rein it in. I mean, like, especially in a format as, 
rigid and, and sort of disciplined as a comic book is, where you have limited number of panels, limited number of words, you know, very high concept. Um, and I did, I did kind of respect that even though this comic is clearly absurd and ridiculous from the, just the very name of it is fucking absurd. <laughs> there's definitely a commitment to some world building here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's definitely, as you pointed out, and I think this escaped me because I'm so literal minded, uh, initially the, the, there's obviously some very heavy societal satire going on here, um, as well. So a lot of times animals are used in allegory, you know, like animal farm would be the most classic example uh, of that. So I guess that softened my, my attitude a little bit towards this absurdity um, in that, but I did find it a bit painful to, you know, dancing lunatics, sexy otters, (laughs) fucking robot clowns. I, I did sort of feel as if somebody had done a shit ton of drugs before they did this. And I mean, those old, 1972 blotter acid style drugs. <laughs> yeah, there, Jake, there's a lot of creativity here, a lot of uh, good ideas, but like like we said, maybe focus a little bit more, slim it down there, the focus. But what what would you think overall, Jack? Yeah, I would have to agree. There's a lot of ideas here, which is probably a little too much for a four-issue limited series. Maybe this was going to be an ongoing thing. You could start setting up some of those breadcrumbs, and they'll pay off later, but... Yeah, it was, it was a lot. Um, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I did, this definitely, I could, I could see why this never really caught on and why this version of Rocket never really went anywhere because it's a, it's a lot to take in. And even the character himself is not that interesting, at least not in this issue. So yeah. that's a good point. I, I think would it be better if they simplified things and, uh, forgot about all the toy crap? Because really, you have the two factions in the, in the toy war, but really they're they're fighting over the the otter, you know. Why not yeah. just streamline things? Maybe forget all the loony <laughs> stuff and the toys, and just focus on a little story about this per, this princess well, is kidnapped. And I, don't I mean, I guess it does make sense because they just you know it would be weirder, I guess, in a way that they were all just fighting over this otter just because she's so hot and they want to bang an otter. <laughs> Well, it makes more sense as everyone does in marriage. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're doing it for power. Well, yeah, but you could just make it the power of the kingdom or whatever, the fortune of her family or whatever, instead of I don't know, whatever. I think the loony yeah. part was a little too much. Like it, it just seemed like, why yes. are we doing here? Let's just, <laughs> I don't know. That was the part that kind of yeah dragged a yeah. little bit. It was like. Yeah, this is a little too much. This is kind of like, you know, those early issues of Excalibur where they just had like weird random shit that Alan Davis wanted to draw. Yes. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it now that you me mentioned it, that. this is very much like that aspect of Excalibur now that you mention it. That is a yeah. good comparison. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Miles, I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Bill Mantlo, but it's a horribly tragic tale. No. He, he was like, uh, how old was he when it happened, uh, Jank? Like 38, maybe? 40, somewhere around there? I don't know. But he was out, uh, he was trying to get out, he was studying to be a lawyer and stuff. Uh, he's going to get out of comic books. He's out rollerblading and he got hit by a car. And, oh. um, he was, he's been in assisted living ever since. And that uh. was, yeah. And like he had, he, he can kind of function, uh, his brain is like fucked up. So he can kind of realize what he did as a creator. But not really, you know, it's a very sad story. Uh, so the, the good thing about this, the Rocket Raccoon stuff, though, he created this character way back in, you know, 
uh, what the late seventies when he first appeared and, you know, really did nothing for the first 30 years of existence. And then the movies come out. He had to get a cut of that, right? Rocket Raccoon. He had oh, yeah. a little percentage of that. I would hope so. Um, I mean, comic books, uh, I don't know how far we should get into this, but like, if you look at <laughs> the state of the comic book industry is terrible. And, um, the, I mean, the non-manga comic book industry is pretty bad sales-wise, and I think a lot of that has <laughs> yes. to do with the, I mean, this is a very broad topic. We could perhaps <laughs> have a couple episodes on in and of itself, but, like, <laughs> basically what would be referred to today as content creators for comic books have traditionally and historically been fucked yeah. by the terrible, terrible contracts that they sign. Um, but, like, if you even just look in the ghost, you know, the guy who created Ghost Rider and what was done to him, um you know, to the point where they even they they prevented him from even autographing Ghost Rider comics at cons that he personally didn't have any. You know, if if he didn't ink them, he wasn't allowed to autograph them um, or some shit because of this lawsuit. I mean, they they have a, there's a long rich tradition of boning the artists and story you know idea people in in the comics world, and I think that's finally come back to haunt them in the age of the internet where there are some parallel economies and escapes that that authors can get into but uh yeah i would i would say that i would hope that his estate takes care of him with whatever money they've got but yeah i, I wouldn't be shocked if somebody told me yeah they gave him a nickel and then you know a shitty broken brass watch from a pawn shop and that's what he got in return for um for his because you know a lot of those people have the kind of disney style rule of um any idea you have when you work for us belongs to us so you can be the most brilliant guy in the world and come up with Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Thor, Hulk, all that. But if you do it on their watch, all of that belongs permanently to them. If you get fired, you know, it's not yours. It's theirs. Um, so I hope, I hope. Especially I mean, that does make that sense. Story, but, yeah, yeah, but it, it, they it definitely should be paying them for that. Right, and, and I, I see why they had the logic behind it, universe. but it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it, it's it's a horrific exploitation on one hand, and a, and it's a logical business move on one hand, but it's on the other, mm -hmm. it's it's a horrific exploitation of talented people who end up, you know, with nothing, um, who've come up with Titanic, you know, and now in the modern era of of you know comics being more successful as films as than they are as comics, um, yeah. Of, of those people getting fucked and watching, you know, billions roll into corporations that had n literally nothing to do with their creation. You know, they just bought a, an intellectual property that belonged to a defunct company, you know, kind of situation. So, well, um, like I, I was, said, this is a rich topic that we could go into at length. But Well, I, I was able to uh, Google things, and uh, I should have done this before the show, but I'm not a professional. But uh, <laughs> I was Googling things. And uh, Mantlo, here's a story from 2014 that Marvel set up a private screening for Mantlo of Guardians of the Galaxy and his uh, caretakers Ooh. and everything. And he, he said he they said he loved it. He had a great time. And then uh, there's a, a little paragraph here at the end. Bill was treated in an exceptionally fair manner by Marvel Disney, Marvel slash Disney. And on his behalf, I can say with the utmost confidence that we are very pleased with the negotiated contract. So, okay. and and unbeknownst to yeah. all, Marvel has made incredibly generous gestures apart from this particular contract, which only pertains to the right to the character Rocket Raccoon, to assist in Bill's ongoing care and rehabilitation. So how about that? So uh, that, that makes me very happy. If it's if it's accurate, then I'm that's very yeah. good to hear because nothing is more disgusting than, you know, when you hear somebody dying in poverty who came up with a great yeah. idea that 
makes millions for people that had nothing to do with it, didn't lift a finger, you know, to um, to facilitate its existence. So if he's if he's getting taken care of, then I'm you know I'm happy. That's that's so, nice. So that's pretty great. And I should mention the the quote I was reading was from Michael Mantlo, Bill's uh, brother. So oh, it's good. not, it's right, not like Marvel putting that out. Yeah. 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 Another good news, Bill Manlow is also 71 years old, meaning he'll be safe from uh, Eternity Century's horn. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Which least, was my real worry all along. At least Manlo. So, yeah, <laughs> th- so th- this makes me feel a lot better about Guardians of the Galaxy because there's certain individuals involved with that movie I don't like. But um, the fact that Bill Manlow is getting you know, taken care of because of it, all right, well, that's cool. So, nice. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. That is that, that is a hell of a story, then, when you think about it. That Rocket Raccoon, this forgotten character, comes back all these years later to save his creator, basically, at the end of his life. How about that? That's, um, a, that's a very interesting that, way to look at it, and a very positive way to look at yep, it. Yep, um, it's pretty great. It's a sometimes sort of minor character comes back to save the day. I like that. Wow, that was very uplifting. Yeah, you don't usually get that from me. You know? No, <laughs> I don't know. Is yeah. it, are we really talking to Mike Bell or a robot clown version of Mike Bell? <laughs> so let's talk about the art. He's been uh, smitten by that otter, so yeah. he's, he's a new man. <laughs> the love of a good otter can change a man. So uh, <laughs> let's just uh, talk about the art here for a second, because this is Mike Mignola. Now, Miles Watson, does that name mean anything to you, Mike Mignola? No, it doesn't, I'm ashamed to say. Because he's a very famous artist, and uh, he's the guy who created Hellboy. Okay. You familiar with the Hellboy? I'm very familiar with Hellboy. I did not read Hellboy uh, growing up, though. I'm only yeah. familiar, full disclosure, only familiar from the films. Um, well, I, Hellboy not... didn't, interestingly enough, uh, Hellboy didn't come into play until 1994. When it came out. I, I thought it was earlier than that. Jank, did you know? I, I thought it was a little earlier than that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I guess I would have put it earlier 90s. Uh, but anyway, Mike Mignola, he was born in Berkeley, California in 1960. That had to be something, growing up in Berkeley in the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no drugs for him. Uh, his first published piece was a Red Sonia drawing in a 1980 issue of the Comic Reader. When he was 20 years old, that's what he got out. In 1982, he graduated from the California College of Arts with a BFA in illustration. In 1983, he started working for Marvel as an anchor on Daredevil and Power Man and Iron Fist. He started working for DC in 1987, and he drew the cover for Batman 428, Death in the Family, which I guess it's kind of an iconic cover of uh, Robin, uh, like his face. It looks like he's dead, you know, on the cover. Uh, Jack, you're familiar with that, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Read that a couple times. In 1989, he drew the Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom one-shot story. Uh, Like, I think, uh, wasn't the base, the premise of that was, like, they went into hell uh, or to get uh, Doctor Doom's mom out, yeah, yeah like get her soul, soul out of there, yeah, from yeah. Mephisto, yeah. Uh, yeah. In 1990, he drew the Wolverine one shot, Wolverine: The Jungle Adventure. I remember that. I yep. had that when I was a kid. That was great. I actually have two copies of that because I bought it and then forgot I bought it, so I bought it <laughs> again. <laughs> like years later, uh, you bought it again, or like a week later, you <laughs> like what was the time? Uh, <laughs> I think it was a couple of years later, yeah. Okay, but for right, some right. reason, I hadn't updated it in my database, and uh, yeah. yeah, mistakes were made. Yeah, yeah. See, Miles Watson, this this Kevin Jank fella, he has a database <laughs> of all his comic books. A database, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> database. Yeah. And, I like uh, my vault. Is it yeah. like my vault? 
which is, is yep. the shelf in my mom's house where a bunch yeah. of comics sit uh, in a closet. That's, that's kind of what I have. But he has yeah, a database. Okay. And, uh, Jank, tell Miles the total number of comic books that you uh, you own. Let's see. Let me get the, the updated total here. Oh, it's been updated. Uh, he's, he's purchased more books since <laughs> the last time we spoke. Yep, yep. I did go to the comic book store last weekend. And oddly enough, they also – they were apparently on the same uh, thread as I was because they reprinted this whole Rocket Raccoon series as like a oh. seven ninety nine reprint book. <laughs> so Nice. Um, current total – Sixteen thousand four hundred and five. How about that? You impressed, Miles Watson? <laughs> how do you how do you store all that? <laughs> it's a good question. <laughs> Not very well. Uh, his his apartment is like ninety eight percent comic boxes and two percent living space. Just all ah, yeah. yeah. Like every closet is just kind of stacked with short boxes. Um. <laughs> couple of other areas in the bedroom just wall to wall yeah it, it's a lot <laughs> it's I'm a kind lot. of speechless <laughs> i'm not proud of myself <laughs> <laughs> no you should be proud of yourself <laughs> so life's work uh in 1994 mignola and dark horse published mignola's creator owned hellboy seed of destruction and that's uh i think and speaking of create your own stuff we should mention that at the on the credits page of this here book the rocker raccoon it says created by Bill Mantlo and Keith Giffen. So um, at least they were given Mantlo the creator credit even back in 85 because that was rare mm. for Marvel, right? They would rarely do that. But um, Alan Moore described Mignola's style as German expressionism meets Jack Kirby. And that is a an incredible description. I hate Alan Moore, but that is an incredible description of his work. Now, Miles, if you're looking at his art in this issue, you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense because that doesn't seem like it. <laughs> uh, but he, like if you showed someone this artwork, they would never guess it's Mike Magnola. This is not how he draws now. Like it's completely different style. No. Yeah. yeah. This was very detailed, like all kind of little tiny line work. It's yeah. uh, it's it's vastly different. His uh, he Hellboy stuff was very sparse. Orders. Yeah, it, like for Hellboy, it's like like spot, like simple, um, geometrical, almost sharp angles. Lines. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty awesome. You should check it out, Miles. Google up like Mike Mignola Hellboy art or whatever. I think you'd dig it. But uh, <laughs> he was also the illustrator for Francis Ford Coppola's 1992 movie Bram Stoker's Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. About that, and uh, I don't know anything else we should know about Mike Mignola there, Jank, that you'd like to mention. Uh, I remember him doing like occasional uh, pinups and kind of covers for Marvel in like the late '80s. Uh, like I remember yeah. there was a whole thing like a one of those annual crossovers between like the X Men and the New Warriors and uh, the New Mutants, I think. And he did like the covers for those um, that were really cool looking. They were more his style. Yeah, he never did, had like a singular run on anything on Marvel. You know what I mean? He did covers, one shots, prestige format books and stuff like that. But uh, and then then after '94, his whole career is basically Hellboy, and he did other stuff. But you know, was, he did a lot of Hellboy. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Yeah, Hellboy. So, uh, how did you feel about the art in this book, though, uh, Miles Watson? Well, I can't say that it, you know it was making me jump up and down with joy. Um, I did like some of the panels. Uh, overall, I, I mean, I am normally, I, I feel like I'm normally kind of a pretty harsh critic of 
of artwork on these things, or at least I think I am, maybe I'm not, but I think of my, I think of myself that way. I thought this had a bit of a slovenly kind of feel to it, but at the same time, (laughs) well, at the same time, the absurdity of everything that's happening with clowns and all that, like there were nice touches, like when the guy sees the eyeball, uh, the reflection in the eyeball and he sees the clown coming. Um, there were nice touches or when the raccoon destroys one of those psycho circus clowns with his, uh, he uses his, um, foot jet, whatever that yeah. thing, you know, he's got like jet feet, like he, <laughs> he uses like a back shot. Um, and I did kind of think that the clown designs were sort of minimalistically cool. Um, but was I, was I entranced by the art? No, I was not. The colors were a little more, uh, impressive to me in the sense it was kind of a light, bright comic. Like if you look at the psycho or the the crazy people in the straight jackets dancing, like there's a lot of light colors in this yellows, uh, whites. Um, it's it's kind of a lighter, brighter type of uh, type of feel, which I kind of liked. Um, but eh, the artwork didn't it didn't eh, I wasn't crazy crazy yeah, about yeah. it. it. wasn't hostile to it either. It just didn't didn't do that much for me. Yeah, again, he's like 24 here, two years out of college. So yeah, he's finding his way. But yeah, if you're if you're reading this because you're like, oh, Mike McNola, you're not going to recognize the art. It's not you're not gonna, <laughs> not at all. You're not going to see Mike <laughs> McNola art here. But I thought he did a good job. I mean, it's fine. You know, nothing. There's a couple of really cool panels. Uh, he did put in a lot of work, a lot of detail. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the backgrounds. Yeah. 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 His take I mean, on for, rocket was pretty cool. This guy. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, Rocket looks amazing. He really put a lot of detail into that face, like, every time you saw it. Uh, clearly, he drew an otter sexy enough that it was able to ensorcel uh, Mike Dell here. <laughs> yeah. The otter so, porn. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Should, we, should we be praising that? <laughs> that's, a, that's a deeper philosophical question here. Yeah. I mean, we... The the fact that he managed to turn Mike's perversions from chimps <laughs> into otters, I don't know that that's really, you know, worthy of praise. That's a lateral move, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, again, it's not classic Manola, but it's solid. It's, it's fine. It tells the story fine. Uh, there are a couple panels that are a little weird, but there's also a lot of really good ones, too. So, yeah, I liked it. But it's just, you know, it's not Mike Magnolo, though. That's it's a weird thing to say, you know, no. but it's not. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's vastly different. I mean, we've All seen right. people do early work, like early Walt Simonson, where it's like, oh, that still looks like Walt Simonson. You know, it's different, but it's still, you can tell. Like this, I, you give me a bunch of guesses. I don't think I could come up with Mike Magnola. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. Because he has one of the most distinctive styles ever, like uh, later yeah. on. Yeah. All right, so, Jank, uh, what do you think overall, Rocket Raccoon issue? Will you, will you finish reading the uh, limited series? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I ended up not picking up that reprint in the comic book store, so that probably oh. tells you something. Yes. Uh, All right. <laughs> probably will not finish it. Um, I'll give it probably a four. Whoa, um, a four. A <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, I wouldn't say it was the most fun I've ever had. So I had to go just a little bit below average on this one, I think. Um, wow. Again, like Miles said, some good world building. Um, but it was not – this would not get me into Rocket Raccoon if this was all I knew of him. Uh, it seems like James Gunn came up with a lot of that stuff that people like about him for the movies. 
Uh, Miles Watson, how do you feel? One out of ten, Rocket Raccoon. Uh, I would preface the number I'm about to come up with by saying that I feel like when in in reference to Jank's reference of the of the world building, I I feel like this was a waste of effort. I feel like <laughs> the the amount of imagination that went into and the the satirical angle, the world building, it was it could have been harnessed to a much better idea than raccoons and fucking otters and and all this <laughs> stuff and lizards and I just felt like if you had done a more traditional comic book story with a universe like there was a lot of imagination that was poured into this kind of crappy vessel that was like a higher level of imagination than this than this concept deserved um so I'm an, I I think a 4 is about as high as I could possibly go because even though I was kind of intrigued by the world because there is a lot there and it was kind of interesting. Like there's a religion, there's two factions, there's the police, there's like these nuances, there's the wealth thing of the woman, you know, the otter being like, you know, she's got like a dowry and all this kind of shit, proxy votes or whatever on the board of this toy making. Like there's a lot of shit going on in here, a lot of moving parts. But like Jank had said earlier, this is a limited series. There's too many ideas. It's overflowing. And I think the the crime of this is that it was a lot of, higher level ability was poured into just an underlyingly dumb, weak concept. So four, I think, is a little generous because I was just like, when is this going to be over? I am bored and I don't like what, <laughs> what's happening here. It's like, it's like going to church for me. So Those are all valid critiques of this book. Nothing that you guys said was wrong at all. Um, <laughs> but I feel bad giving it four. I don't know. So I'll give it a five. I'll give it one extra one for okay. the sweet, sweet otter porn. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It was, uh, yeah, like you said, just, uh, kind of like a swing and a miss. A, a good imagination, good effort. Yeah. But, uh, a lot of power. They just didn't connect with the ball on that one. Yeah. So there yeah, is like a lot of brain power poured into a, a hole, really, you know. Well, for a four issue <laughs> limited series, Miles, I, would you try and, if you were like, uh, tasked with doing one, <clears throat> would you approach it like a short story? Because I think uh, you you want to get one theme, one idea, and stick with that, and like really focus on that. And this what this probably just had too much going on, right? Just too much yeah, going on. Yeah, it was too busy for 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 a limited series. I was just kind of shocked at how many ideas they they are pouring into this. Like, do you remember when we did the Micronauts? Which, you know, as you said, um, the Micronauts had there was a lot going on in that story a lot like i don't remember the specifics at this point because it's been months but there was there was a story and then there was an underlying story and then there was an overarching universe and everything and then it was like wow there's a lot of ideas in this it's just a lot for one you know for for a comic book and that was a regular series yeah so yeah i feel like this was this was just one of those things. It's like if you've ever read a book, you know, if you've ever read someone's short story like Stephen King or whatever, and you realize that there's, there's like a whole universe here that they just barely touched on or and, and, and it's like, was this disposable? You know, like, I, I don't know. I just feel like you don't harness this level of effort and imagination into something. So that should be more simplistic. Like you said, it should just be very straightforward. This is a, this is about a raccoon and. <laughs> I mean, come on. They eat garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Raccoons. 
Okay. Hey, remember La- Larry used to have a raccoon that lived in his chimney. Do you remember this, Jack? He had like a yeah. every, every oh, year. Yeah. He had raccoons that would go <laughs> yeah. live in his chimney every year. Oh, there was a terrifying raccoon uh, that lived. There was a gang of raccoons actually that lived near my place in Burbank, and one day they they uh, they raided the chicken coop of my neighbor and tore it oh. open and killed oh, no. some of the chickens. And if you've ever wanted to hear god awful sound in your yeah. life. It is the sound of <laughs> raccoons killing chickens. Oh, no. Because the Ooh. screaming woke me up at like 3 in the morning, and I was about ready to start opening fire into the backyard. Mm. I, it was that bad. <clears throat> so raccoons can, you know, they my, uh, gang. My parents had chickens, and uh, they they weren't gotten by a raccoon, but they did get have a weasel that was coming by. Oh, Not even eating the chickens, just decapitating them and moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. They didn't like them. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. I, I also just thought of a raccoon story. Yeah, we all got raccoon stories. <clears throat> my uh, my ex-wife, her uh, grandparents, they owned a farm here in Western PA, and they grew up on the yeah. farm, you know. And uh, her grandmother, uh, one day their their grandfather's out plowing the field there, and he scooped up a bunch of here's a bunch of like uh, raccoons, little baby raccoons, were like in the dirt, you know. Somehow, I don't know what they're doing. So they like basically took these raccoons in as pets. And uh, they would <laughs> come and live in the house occasionally with them, you know. And they would tell the story that uh, the grandfather, he would come home and he'd go upstairs to the like uh, to the bedroom there. And uh, the raccoon would be in the bed, you know, taking a nap. And he would take the raccoon and just throw him out the window. <laughs> 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 and the raccoon would just run back in and get in the house somehow. And he would just come right back upstairs. <laughs> oh, raccoons don't give a fuck, man. They're yeah. completely fearless. They just don't like. I, I remember once in my mom's house, this, this <laughs> raccoon spread eagled itself on the screen door, looking in the house, and I just wanted to take a shotgun to that son of a bitch because he was so arrogant. Like, just I threw things at the door. I yelled at him, and he was just looking at me like, "Let me in. I smell food. You let me in. I don't care about you. You're not scaring me." It was awful. They're, they're. I'm telling you, their nature is gangsters. Nature's gangster. Yeah, the fact that he was just showing you his cock like that. That's, <laughs> yeah, he didn't give us asking for trouble. They, they didn't care. And you know how cats cats are nature's assholes. And I remember oh, that. No. Yeah, and and Facts. when I lived in Burbank, uh, the the cat that I the wild cat that I used to feed, um, he would come the neighborhood cat. He would eat off one side of this plate, and a raccoon would eat off the other at the same time. <laughs> and I was good. like. What fucking conspiracies are these guys coming up with right now? Like what they're what plans, what plots are being hatched and set into motion? This is pretty good. I think it, we should end every episode with Animal Corner, where we just tell animal stories. Because I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. All right. So for next issue, I was going to continue the theme of uh, talking animals. I was trying to think of another talking animal we could do, and I almost picked that one uh, samurai rabbit guy, that Usaga Yoshimbo or whatever. You know that Jimmy? Yeah, Usagi Yojimbo. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah, yeah. With the turtle on the show for a while. Yeah, but I, I, I didn't do that. Uh, instead, I went the other way with it, <laughs> and I just said, "Hey, you know what? Let's just do more Guardians of the Galaxy." So we're going to do a Marvel hey. Marvel Presents issue ten from nineteen seventy seven. This is the original Guardians of the Galaxy team with Martin X and uh, Yondo and uh, Charlie twenty seven and Vance Astro. Because we've done special books. guest Mike L. No, no, yeah, Mike L. loves Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. 
Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he always tried to pick a book with them, and he did three. Uh, we did a Thor annual, a Defenders, and an Avengers. But every time he picked them, like, they're barely in the book. You know, they're, like, there for, like, one page. <laughs> so this way, uh, it's an actual full story of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, we'll get into that next week. So uh, Marvel right. Presents Issue 10 from 1977. All right, well, Miles Watson, thank you for joining us. Everyone should go uh, buy all his books there at 19books.com or Amazon. You can get his books. Uh, Cage Life, Knuckle Down, Sinners Crossed, Very Dead of Winter, The Devils You Know. Uh, buy them all, right, Miles? Buy them all. Yeah, buy them all now. Yeah. Make them happy. Or I won't give you, I won't give you access to the sexy otter that I've got in my basement. <laughs> now, now to get to the... Uh, By the way, Mike, Mike Dell, uh, this might get you to go to the theaters here, but... Uh, Lila was in the trailer for what? Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, so... Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh no i might have to go all right yep. well uh with that in mind and also let's get to uh miles watson's favorite closing line ever so until next week don't get any jank on you oh <laughs> <laughs>